All right, Merry Christmas Eve, Eve to all of you. It's Dave Plyer here on 720 WGN. Glad you could join us for our one-hour show on this Friday night. It is that time of year where we talk about the lists of the best and worst of everything in 2022. But it's also a time that we also remember and reflect on those familiar faces we lost over the past year. Some are very familiar, some you may not know. But wish you had. And joining me tonight, 10 years running, are two educators, and that is media historian and co-author of the book Watching TV, Wally Pedrozic, and pop culture historian Kevin Picorni. Gents, always a pleasure. Welcome in. Pleasure to be here. Happy to be here, Dave. You know, there are so many to talk about, and we're going to go over some detailed background on some of them and just more mentions of the other in the, in the categories of movies, television, music, sports, and those who impacted our lives. Let's kick it off with probably one of the biggest uh, this year was the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And one of the things that's striking to me about the passing of Queen Elizabeth is that's a figure that for most of the world, that's the only monarch they've known. Yeah, yeah. Um, And also that Queen Elizabeth, kind of like a Betty White, just crossed so many yeah, different decades of media etc and i specifically mentioned media there's so much we could say about about queen elizabeth her her sense of duty her dedication and all but i was struck for a moment about the pop culture media aspect where during the world war ii years uh she and her sister were on the radio yeah. in ah, great britain right. talking to people That's about right. basically Things are going to be comfort, okay. Comfort food. Comfort yeah. food, yeah. indeed. And uh, she definitely displayed an appreciation for and respect for media, uh, even though Winston Churchill uh, didn't want the her coronation in, in the 1950s to be televised. She did. And so that was one of That's the true. first major world-shared events uh, we uh, we're in love with the majesty of the monarchy. I was going to say, when we talk about like uh, media, you know, uh, larger than life personalities, the Frank Sinatras and the Dean Martins and the and the and the Bob Hopes that left us long ago. Like in Great Britain, like this is a generation that will never see the likes of a Queen Elizabeth again. And Queen Elizabeth was savvy up to the end. Uh, I was. Uh, amused by 2012 and the um i was amused back in 2012 where she helped to kick off the olympics yeah with james bond with james bond <laughs> which is I mean, great i love talk that talk about yeah. a delightful premise yes we're all very formal yes he's on call yes. and of course she accompanies him supposedly in the helicopter and parachutes down to the and so that was like yeah this is a woman who knows her media what a great sport too right first of all i'm still stuck on the betty white queen elizabeth parallel i can't get it out of my <laughs> mind right yeah were it possible for her to play the role of queen elizabeth <laughs> in her uh, some yeah. sort of documentary yeah. um my favorite Queen Elizabeth story that came out uh, during her passing was, I don't know if you guys have heard this, that there was a couple from America who were happened to be touring England and came across uh, some border of her estate. She used to go walking with her personal bodyguard almost every day. 
And they came across this couple uh, from the United States who had said, um, is, is, this, is this the queen's property? Is this, are we near there? Like, oh, the, the, her bodyguard answered, yes, absolutely. Um, and have you met the queen? And the bodyguard is just all tongue-in-cheek oh, yes, between the two of yes, you. Yes, 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 and yes. says, well, why, yes, I have. And he was you know, talking about her sense of humor. And they were so taken with this man who had met the queen before they asked Queen Elizabeth if she would please take a picture of the two of them with the Queen's bodyguard. Yeah. And then she said, I wonder what, I'd like to be a fly on the wall when they realize, <laughs> when they realize that, that it's me. Exactly. That it's me. Madeleine Albright, 64th U.S. Secretary of State from 97 to 2001, first woman to hold that post. Mikhail Gorbachev, Ivana Trump, uh, who was uh, former President Donald Trump's first wife. Uh, Orion Hatch, longest serving Republican senator in U.S. history. Bernard Shaw, CNN's first chief anchor when the network was launched in 1980, where he stayed for another 20 years. We are talking about those we lost in 2022, and there's much more after a look at your Friday night traffic. Day Plier, 720 WGN. We are talking those we lost in 2022 with Wally Pedraza, Kevin Picorni in studio. Movies and Broadway. The next one here, we're going to talk about Sidney Poitier. Uh, Sidney Poitier. Um, uh, Did you know that he spent uh, an early part of his career trying to lose his Bahamian accent? That uh, where he had been born and raised, and he was even knighted uh, in the Bahamas. But my very favorite, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, Is Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn was just is just still. uh, I cannot flip through stations without seeing that show up, and it's just something that I absolutely need to watch. Angela Lansbury, uh, you know, a lot of people in in a later generation know her from TV's Murder She Wrote, and that probably what defined her to. Uh, millions of people, but I mean, big in movies, big in Broadway. Um, in fact, uh, I noticed that Webster's had Gaslight as gaslighting as the word of the year. Well, yes, she was in the movie <laughs> Gaslight. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, she was playing a Cockney servant. But more, more, more important, she was in a whole raft of movies, including the original version of The Manchurian Candidate. She was the 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 harsh demanding uh, figure. And in fact, what's interesting is that she was described in those early days as someone who wouldn't be the soft romantic. She she would be the hard-edged character. And then, of course, she becomes Miss Marple, uh, in effect, uh, Jessica Fletcher uh, on right. uh, uh, Murder, She Wrote. Uh, but in between, there were so many wonderful instances of uh, Disney-type uh, musicals and performances, and, of course, on stage. I yeah. mean, you've got Sweeney Todd. Yeah, very associated you, with Disney, by the way. Yeah, absolutely yes. right. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you've got her st- uh, starring uh, as Maud back in, uh, in 1966. Probably the most impressive aspect uh, of her visage is that she was eternally herself. That is, when she was playing an older character... You you bought it. She was playing a little younger character. You bought it. She was whomever she should be. She had such a a confident and reassuring presence. And you know uh, the the formula of, of murder she wrote is one where I could watch it repeatedly. You know what's going to happen because the character of Jessica Fletcher knows what's going <laughs> that's to happen, true. That's actually and very that's true, yeah. part of the fun. Actor William Hurt, actress Anne Hage, uh, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, Let me jump in with Robbie Coltrane because uh, I love the fact that you 
Um, I know him first from a kind of obscure series called Cracker, which was mm -hmm. a, uh, a forensic uh, psychologist out, out in, in Great Britain. Uh, he was in a couple of James Bond movies, very commanding presence. He was playing this uh, uh, Russian mafioso type. Oh, and by the way, he was in Harry Potter. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably how most people would know him. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich is one of those directors who had this wonderful run. Uh, you've got Last Picture Show, Paper Moon, What's Up Doc?, uh, and yeah. every one of those was what a, I, I recently was watching What's Up Doc again and said, this is funny. Yeah. This is done with such assurance and confidence. And there was also uh, an obscure one. I saw uh, Targets, which was about a, a killer, a, a, a shootist. You know, when I saw his credits in The Sopranos, I was like, oh, yeah. is he directing this? What is he doing? And I just realized he played Dr. Melfi's psychologist right? exactly. or psychiatrist in, in, in the show. And, and that was sort of like the second, third career. Yes, it was. Where he would come yeah. in, because if you look down your IMDB list, you'll see one episode, one episode, one yeah. episode, because he's coming in because he also had a very strong acting That's presence. True. That's very you true. You like to see him on screen. Uh, Ivan Reitman, so uh, films he directed, uh, Meatball, Stripes, The Ghostbusters, wow. Twins, uh, Kindergarten Cop, Dave Jr., <laughs> National Lampoon's Animal House, Space Jam, Private Parts. The, the list is endless, but a legendary Hollywood The most director. quoted movies you just listed yes. right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 How about it? It's true. Academy Award winner Louise Fletcher, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Nurse Cuckoo's Ratchet. Nest. Sachin Littlefeather, which, you know, she was the actress uh, in 1973 during the Oscars that she came out to accept or deny uh, right, Marlon Brando's exactly. Oscar. But now she passed away. She spoke eloquently to, you know, to backdrop of like about the mistreatment of Native Americans by the film industry and beyond. But her sisters have now come up and are now disputing her heritage. Sally Kellerman, uh, the original Hot Lips from the movie MASH, and Back and, to School. <laughs> and we were just talking about Back to School, because yeah. that's the image that... I mean, she was right. Rodney Dangerfield's girlfriend. Yes. And there's this wonderful scene in Back to School where he's being grilled. He has to pass the, <laughs> the, the oral finals. Yes. And she gives him the pep talk that's right. speech. That's right. That's yes. You can do this. Yeah, right. If, exactly. if Hot Lips says you can, that's right. You can. That's right. The, we're going to close out with the movies with, I mean, a lot of people from mafia movies, <laughs> the underworld <laughs> yeah. story, a lot yes. of them. And I'm going to read through them, but I want to go through them all. Uh, Ray Liotta, James Kahn, Paul Servino, Tony Sirico, um, Robert Lapone. Uh, Paul Herman, you'll know who all these are when we get to all of them, but let's start with Paul Servino. Uh, a capo in Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony Sirico, uh, Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts. So the wow. Sopranos thing is is Polly. Robert Lapone, was, which was Tony's neighbor, who was always suspicious of him on the Sopranos, was Dr. Bruce Cusimano. So this is the guy that introduced him to his psychologist, Paul Herman, who played Beansy on The Sopranos, also gone, um, Ray Liotta. And I will tell you, I interviewed Ray a couple of times, and the first time I interviewed him was probably around 2014 and 15. And th the curiosity for him was I was telling him that my 14 or 15-year-old son watched Goodfellas with me. I thought it was, a, okay, 15 years old. We can sit down and watch this thing. Fast forward through a few things. He was so curious what he thought. What did he like about the movie? Did, did he like the did he like the storytelling? Did he like the throwback, the vintage, you know, the nature of the sixties and seventies? Did he like the acting? Did he like the storyline? Was it too violent for him? Like he asked a million questions, thinking about that decades later 
of why he still found this film to be important. He almost like almost like he was doubting it himself. Really, of all the deaths this year, celebrity deaths, that was probably the one that shocked me more His than anything guy. else. He's yeah. a young guy. Young guy. Yeah. Still performing. He was in the recent uh, Sopranos uh, 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 movie. Prequel. Uh, yeah. Prequel. Yeah, exactly. James Caan. I mean, what do you say about <laughs> this guy? I mean, the Godfather, but so many. And I just sure. watched him in Elf. You know, <laughs> and, and and Brian's song. Oh, and, that and, was my first yeah. with yeah. him, and that when he was lying in the bed talking to Gail Sayers, and his, oh, what a what a movie that was! And I think that was, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mind putting this out there, fellas. That movie was the very first movie to make me cry. Mm. Was was Brian's song mm. well, without a, story, a doubt? Of course, no, yeah. And now it's Elf. And now it's <laughs> Elf. Yeah. No. No. Uh, and also, he's one of those cinematic figures so that when he was in, like, Honeymoon in Vegas, I mean, basically, just coming on the screen and being James Caan was enough. I mean, he, yeah. he, he did fine, but it was just enough. You're right. going gonna to love this. This was uh, when he was uh, asked about the character of Sonny Corleone. Who was he trying to channel when he oh. was doing this? He said in an interview, Don Rickles. And well, it just floored the interviewer. They were, you, good, they were very good friends. They were by very the way. good friends. He goes, yeah. but it wasn't the comedic part. It was the drive and just to continue forward, forward, forward. He said, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of Rickles. Don said that the first gift he ever received for his first child was from James Conn. Wow. Over at the house. We are talking about those we lost in 2022. And there is much more ahead after the news next here on 720 WGN. Dave Plyer, 720 WGN. That was Kirstie Alley from Cheers who passed away in early December preceded by a clip of Chicago's Bill Jackson of BJ and the Dirty Dragon in the Giggle Snort Hotel and this always struck me when I read these two Liz Sheridan and Estelle Harris not household names but this is Jerry's mom on Seinfeld and George's mom on Seinfeld lost them both this year and that uh, the the way you've coupled them, and I've noticed this uh, throughout the year as we were talking about uh, the uh, the mobster clusters and all. It's like we will make connections even if the connections don't really <laughs> exist yeah. because yeah. we have connected with these performers on repeated viewings uh, on on our favorite shows. It's true, and so you have a, a special extra sigh when you see them passing so you think about the relationship on screen with estelle harris and jerry stiller as george's parents and 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 stiller was the second dad that actually was on the screen their chemistry like when they were on you knew you were going to just laugh your ass off right yeah (laughs) uh tony dow also spoke to tony dow and jerry mathers leave it to beaver and you know tony uh, he Child star, reluctant child star. I think he was more of a sports guy at the time and swimmer. Diver and a swimmer. swimmer yeah, yes. diver and a swimmer. And then went into directing and producing. He had a whole different career. You know, he was a painter. You know, not a lot of people from that era went on to do other things. They just became whatever. I mean, he really kind of kept his foot in the water when it came to television and the movies and and the world of art and talk about not making it uh, his first and foremost goal in his life to become an actor it was actually the story goes uh one of their neighbors was applying for the was auditioning for the part of of dad 
of Ward Cleaver. And so he went to uh, audition, and he said that there's this relationship between their father-son. Would would your son like to come with me for the audition? He reluctantly went with. Yeah. Obviously, his neighbor didn't get the job, yeah. but, yeah, but he certainly a, did. You hear a lot of those stories. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, um, she played uh, Uhura on Star Trek, and she's going to be known for the first interracial kiss with William Shatner, yes. of course, on television. Bob Saget, uh, somebody I've met. Uh, I, his wife was a regular on my overnight show when I was when I was doing. Uh, she she had a uh, a blog out there, still does about things going on around Chicago. She'd always show up in the studio two o'clock in the morning. Met Bob, moved out uh, moved out west. Did an appearance for our broadcast museum right. in Chicago. Uh, that's where uh, I was at the same uh, appearance that that you uh, you and I uh, enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, he's he was a card. He was he was a oh, cut yeah. up. He, he was a delight. I mean, there were so many. Oh, can we do a tug of war with a copy of your book and all? Sure, let's do. <laughs> a picture of tug of war with a copy of the book probably the dirtiest jokes coming yes. from that guy which was so <laughs> unexpected i mean full house you yes. know you, you had one complete persona but i mean when i say the dirtiest they were the darkest dirtiest <laughs> but most funny uh robert clary and i and i you know when i always think about hogan's heroes i think about okay there's this is 20 years maybe after world war ii and it's a comedy about prisoners of war in a german camp and robert clary what, was it a Nazi concentration yes. camp? Yes, yes, for, for uh, like uh, thirty-one months. Yeah, and uh, and and he made a very strong point of saying this was a prisoner of war camp. This was not a concentration camp. Right, right. And uh, right, and you and you've got to remember the context. If we're coming out of things like uh, Stalag seventeen, we're coming out of that. That, that is theater, uh, yeah. movies, and such. Yeah. And basically, it was TV saying, "Isn't that an interesting concept?" But here's the real key. Basically, it is saying, is this unrealistic that they could have done all that? Well, to the degree that Hogan's Heroes had a mini Pentagon uh, b- below their uh, barracks, sure. But in terms of real action against the Nazis during that era, it would be in little things, little mess up things every day, which they didn't even realize were going on. And that sort of was a celebration. As as he said, the key was the Germans were always not the heroes. Whose production company put this together? Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. (laughs) Bing Crosby, exactly right. From uh, my childhood, Kevin's to Emilio Delgado from Sesame Street, the fix-it shop owner. Uh, Johnny Brown, bookman from Good Times, kind of replaced the father character. When Throughout the years when you and I, during a a given year, knowing that we're going to do this at the end of the year, uh, (laughs) I will get a buzz on my phone occasionally from you announcing who it was that had passed and uh really i don't know if you're aware of this but with me it's a competition i have to get it in <laughs> yeah to you before yeah. you get it yeah. and when you sent me uh johnny brown all i could think of and i re- responded because i saved it for you to look to look at his nicknames on the show no what was it booger oh. or buffalo butt <laughs> that's right i forgot about that i forgot about that did you know that as a scholar wally did you remember that um, we uh, uh, sometimes uh, tactfully uh, uh, forget things forgot about that howard hessman wkrp obviously johnny fever he was on one day at a time head of the class uh did movies other television john aniston uh more recently jennifer aniston's father actor for decades on days of our lives robert morse uh, from Mad Men, more of a Broadway, right? Performer. Right. That's a Broadway person who happened at the uh, at the end of the career to have a truly memorable on screen persona, which 
most people would probably then remember. Let's move on to sports here. So one of the most familiar names uh, to anyone that's listening right now is probably Vince Scully. Absolutely. Um, from the Brooklyn Dodgers all the way to the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, working under Red Barber for the first few, year, few years of his career until uh, Red Barber uh, left uh, the Dodgers and went over to the Yankees. But Vin Scully, the, the mainstay of Dodgers baseball for so many years. Bill Russell and, and Bruce Souter. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Bill Russell, uh, two-time All-American, uh, won a national championship twice. Uh, he was the cornerstone of Celtics basketball in their dynasty. Eight, eight straight titles, uh, 11 overall during his career, uh, 88 years old, Bill Russell. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bruce Souter. What Cub fan uh, can't recall a summer day and watching that split-fingered fastball, or as we would say, my brother used to say, it's like it's rolling right off the edge mm. of a table. Yeah. He used to love watching Bruce Sutter's. Nothing more exciting than watching that guy come into a game. Hall of Famer, not going to mention any other teams that he went to because I can't stand any other teams that he went to. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, other comedians, Gallagher, Gilbert Gottfried, Louis Anderson, uh, Gilbert Gottfried at the end had a, a, a tremendous podcast and a, and a huge following for that as well. Uh, Radio Hall of Famers Art LeBeau and Ralph Emery as well. All right, we're going to hit music next after a look at your Friday night traffic. Day Plier 720 WGN in studio right now. Wally Pedrazic and Kevin Picorni were talking about those we lost in 2022. So moving into the world of music, uh, Christine McVie, uh, you know, was most recent, but that's huge. Like when you think about Fleetwood Mac, and how many generations that band touched. She was a keyboardist, of course, uh, died after brief illness at the age of 79, really was considered the heart of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, vocally and also as a writer as well. So you have about a half dozen of the Fleetwood Mac songs that are your favorites. She probably had a finger in those. Absolutely. Don't Stop, uh, Got a Hold on Me, Say You Love Me, Over My Head, Songbird. Yeah, they're all associated, of course, with her. Loretta Lynn. Uh, the coal miner's daughter, um, uh, country music hall of fame. Uh, she was, uh, uh, it was the true rags to riches story for any, any musician, especially for a, for a country music artist coming out of the foothills of, uh, coal mining country to the stage in Nashville. Olivia Newton-John, uh, another um, amazing, like that was almost like a piece of your childhood kind of ripping away from you a little bit. So thinking of Greece and Xanadu and so forth, but Greece so iconic. And I got to talk to her a couple times over her life. And both times that I spoke to her, she was in stage four cancer and so humble. And I know she poured a lot of her own money into the Cancer Institute that's named after her there. But Absolutely legendary actress, and you know when you think about that movie Grease, one of the most iconic films of of the 1970s, if not of the 20th century. I'm going to move on to Ronnie Spector, uh, somebody else I also interviewed over the years, and you know, very she was an open book every time I talked to her, but you know she would get very uh, dark about Phil Spector and her relationship mm. with him because I mean he he was a controlling nut you call him a musical genius but really ruined her career after those highlights in the 1960s and kind of blackballed her blacklisted her from from the music scene for so long but she really came into her own and and um and really came into her own uh irene cara and that's an example of someone who uh was defined a particular song uh namely fame and epitomized 
that particular movie, and then there was a TV series that came right, after right, it. Right. Uh, and then she also sort of did uh, did it again uh, with Flashdance, yeah. uh, writing that. And and she just had a, a com, uh, an irresistible presence uh, when she was performing. Remember her name, uh, Naomi Judd. Naomi Judd, uh, mother of the famous Judd singing duo. Uh, in seven years, you know, like love country music, whatever you want to say, listen to this. Five Grammys, 14 number one singles, and a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Jerry Lee Lewis, while you saw Jerry in Yeah, appropriately uh, in Memphis, way from the oh, balcony one great. time. It, 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 was, it was very <laughs> wow. cool. But, but what was very strange about it is Jerry Lee, love him, respect him. The fact of the matter is he didn't have the range of like an Elvis or, or a Johnny Cash and all. So all you had to do was see Jerry Lee once, and you saw Jerry Lee. Jeff Cook, founding member of Alabama. Yes, uh, as we were just mentioning, in the number of hits that the Judds had in their uh, seven years that they were together. Uh, but how about this? Jeff, Jeff Cook, co-founder of the group Alabama, uh, they notched 36 number one singles on Billboard's uh, country music. Ramsey Lewis, um, legend. Not only was he a legendary performer, but he was also a, uh, a legend on radio as well. He was also... Uh, active, very active in the musical education in Chicago. We founded the Ramsey Lewis Foundation, established Ravinia's Jazz Mentor Program, served on the Board of Trustees for the Merritt School of Music and the Chicago High School for the Arts. I mean, very, very active in Chicago and a legend in jazz, of course. Mickey Gilley. Mickey Gilley, uh, the, really uh, the inventor of the honky-tonk, if, if, if you care to think about that. At least he brought honky-tonk to our regular lexicon. Uh, it was uh, the urban cowboy uh, notion and phase that we went through back in the 1980s, and every all of those things can be traced right back to Mickey Gilly. Aaron Carter, child uh, pop singer, brother of Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, Motown legend Lamont Dozier, a songwriter who crafted hits, huge hits for the Supremes and and Marvin Gaye, Jim Seals of Seals and Croft, Bobby Rydell, um, Andy Fletcher, drummer, founding member of Depeche Mode, uh, Tony Braxton, um, Coolio. Coolio is is someone that I have an affection for uh, as um, not only a uh, a, a rapper uh, he was but as a TV performer he mostly played himself he was one of those performers who would come in as himself but there are a couple of series he was on he was on uh, the Martin Lawrence series Martin he was on Parenthood and when I talk about presence sometimes a musical performer is like one of the best you could have for just dropping in onto a series it's like I know you. I like you. Okay, I'll watch. Meatloaf, um, you know, a singer, actor, probably one of the most wide-ranging voices in rock and roll. Uh, his hit, Bad Out of Hell, isn't that yours and your wife's wedding song? Yes, it was. It was, <laughs> our, it was our first dance. Uh, it was uh, I, I, nothing less than shocking to uh, a lot of the relatives, but uh, we were dedicated. Once again, celebrating the historical figures uh, that we lost in 2022 in movies, television, sports, politics, and beyond. Uh, Wally Pedrazic, his book is Watching TV. Kevin Picorni, thank you so much for joining us, and Merry Christmas to you both. Let me know when you want, you. want me to come back in January so we can do the predictions <laughs> for next year. Predictions. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great show, though, Dave? <laughs> that would be Let's a predict show. who's going to be. Come on. Your Blackhawks pregame is coming up next here on 720 WGN.